Hello, and welcome to Disney Rewind, a Disney nostalgia podcast served with a glass of wine. We are your hosts, Adina Winnett and Rachel Seedman. In each episode, we break down a piece of Disney media and pair it perfectly with a glass of wine. Disney Rewind is a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to at Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest episodes and posts from our show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Cheers. Hello. Hey, Adina. Oh, hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm great. I can't believe the last time we saw each other, we were in Disney. And it was really magical. It really was. I'm ready to go back. (laughs) I'm ready to go back too, honestly. So just kind of, you know, wanting to put us in a good mood. This has nothing to do with anything with our podcast. However, somebody shared this with me today and it just like brightened my day. There is a Leslie Nope compliment generator on the internet right now (gasps) and so i did us the honors of doing one for each of us oh i'm so excited (laughs) i think we all just need like the world is really kind of scary right now and so i think we just need some happy things and this oh i'm so excited (laughs) this is really great so i'm gonna start with mine and then i'll say yours okay so my leslie nope compliment is Rachel, you are a cunning, pliable, chestnut-haired sunfish. Shut up. (laughs) That's so good. That's so good. Here's yours. Oh, gosh. Adina, you are a beautiful tropical fish. You're smart as a whip and you're cool under pressure. Oh, this is so cool. So good. Whoever invented this, thank you. Yeah, it's oh amazing. My so you guys go look it up online. I, it's not a like easy to find URL. Like I, I don't really have a way to share it. Just Google Leslie Nope compliment generator and I'm sure oh you'll find gosh. it. But it just put your name in and you'll get some really nice things about yourself and they'll really boost you up right now. That is incredible. What's less incredible is I have a I'm going to call it a self-correction. We don't have ramp, a sting ramp. for that. There we go. There's the sting. Um I ended our last episode by saying that cheers in Italian is sante. That is very wrong. That is cheers in French. <laughs> I'd had a lot of wine. So cheers in Italian, which is so apropos for our next movie, is saluti. Or the less colloquial version is chin chin. Chin chin. That's chin, what chin. my mom always says when we do cheers. She will always say chin chin. So I like that a lot So. More. Oopsie daisy, my bad. Womp womp. Now that I know the proper way to say cheers in Italian, we can talk about our movie today, which is the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yes, it most certainly is. Oh my God. What a goddamn delight. (laughs) This movie is a trip, but in the best way possible. I loved it. (sighs) I loved it so much. I watched it twice in this two week break we had. Worth it. Worth all of those minutes. So, the Lizzie McGuire movie was released on May 2nd, 2003 by Buena Vista Pictures. It was produced by Stan Rogo, directed by Jim Fall, and screenplayed by Susan Estelle Jansen, Ed Dector, and John J. Strauss. Hmm. Yes, so it is almost 19 years old. Shut your mouth and don't say things like that. Do you remember the time that you first saw this movie? Are we going to do this now? (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing is I don't really remember the first time that I saw this movie. However, upon re-watching this movie and 
we will be sharing our notes because I, you get to see this stream of consciousness that happens while I take my notes. (laughs) So good. I realized about halfway through this movie that I had this soundtrack and I listened to this soundtrack all the time. Of course. My notes go, oh my gosh, great song, great song, how fitting, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden we get to the song Supermodel, uh, You Better Turn, Cover Girl. Like I had this realization of, oh my God, I know the rest of the order of these songs because I used to listen to this CD on repeat and I listened to it all the time. This music is so damn nostalgic and good and it's so much fun. So I don't remember the first time seeing this, but I remember this soundtrack and it is like ingrained in my memory and I love it so much. I would say same, but I do remember the first time that I saw it in theaters. Oh my gosh. And I saw it in theaters. Yeah. Picture this. Okay. The year is 2003. An 11-year-old Adina, almost 11 years old Adina, has spent the entire day running around Balboa Park with all of her classmates for the Jewish holiday Lagba Omer because we didn't have school. We just played a bunch of outdoor games at this local park. How fun. Melissa is there. Y'all remember Melissa? She was on the wedding episode. And um, Melissa's mom picks me and some other of our friends up, takes us to the local movie theater to see this. I believe she dropped us off and picked us up after. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The excitement. (laughs) I mean, this movie, seeing it like younger is just like the epitome of like, I want that. That is what I want to have happen in my life. I realized that we went into this long winded tangent and I didn't even give our kind of poo poo Disney plus description. It was kind of poo poo. Okay. Disney plus description. Lizzie McGuire and her pals celebrate graduation with a class trip to Italy. Once there, Lizzie is mistaken for Isabella, Italy's biggest pop diva, and begins to fall for Paolo, Isabella's former boyfriend and singing partner. I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong, so I added a a little bit of color. Are you ready? Okay. Lizzie McGuire is just your average teenage girl ready to graduate from junior high and begin her life as a mature high school woman. After completely embarrassing herself at her graduation, she's ready to put the past behind her on a class trip to Rome, along with her best friend Gordo, former BFF Kate, and jock Ethan. But on her first day there, Lizzie finds out she bears a striking resemblance to Isabella, an Italian teen pop idol famous for her duets with heartthrob Paolo. So much so that when Paolo and Isabella have a falling out, he asks Lizzie to take Isabella's place for an upcoming concert. Lizzie, however, isn't sure she feels comfortable stepping into the spotlight and is even less sure about the way she feels about Paolo, who makes no secret of it, of his infatuation with her. Things don't get simpler for Lizzie when her family gets wind of her newfound fame and catch the next flight to Italy. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> I want to watch that movie. I know. I was really proud of that one. <laughs> it's, it, it's really good, I think. I just, this is just so ridiculous, but it's so good. It's it's so ridiculous. But honestly, I think what I'm going to say, even before we get into this, this movie holds up. Oh, yeah, 100% it does. But as we're going to discuss this, I think we need a little wine. Rachel, what are we drinking today? Well, we are actually going to be drinking a little wine today. Indeed. <laughs> 
Uh, so we are having, and I just want to say this up front because everybody, I'm going to be saying a lot of words in Italian today. So forgive me, Father, for I have sinned in my pronunciation of almost all of the words I'm about to say. I'm so excited. We are having the Michele Chiarlo Nivoli Moscato de Asti. So that is, if you've missed all of that, we are having a Moscato, specifically a Moscato de Asti. And there are different types of Moscatos. So we are going to be focusing our conversation today just on this specific type. Now, I say we're going to get, I have a lot to say about wine. So we are going to get started. But so before we even have our drink, just some pre-drinking notes for us Wonderful. before we get into it, set the scene. This sweet, fragrant, lightly sparkling wine has vivid aromas and flavors of peach, apricot, grapefruit, and sage on a light body with a delicate finish. Hmm. When going to BevMo today, literally the person who was checking me out picked up this bottle and said, this is a gem. This is a really good Moscato. You know, a lot of Moscatos are super sweet. This one's way more complex than, than anything that I've had before as a Moscato. And I said, uh sir... Let's find out. <laughs> Sir. So let's go ahead and pour our wine. It is a small bottle, and this is going to be considered mm. a dessert wine. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to be pouring tons and tons of this, but let's go ahead and get a little pour going on. Ah, there is a little bit of frizzante. So before I say really anything else, I think all that I need to say right now is chin chin. Chin chin. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. It is very nice on the nose. It is. It's very sweet, though. Like, I'm smelling those fruits you mentioned. It is sweet, but it is not smacking you in the face of just, like, sickly sweetness. It is not the $5 bottle of barefoot Moscato that we grew Used to, to love in college. No, it's not. I actually no. really like this. I like this. I do enjoy the slight fizziness. I think that that's a lovely extra layer. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's sweet. Like, don't get us wrong here. It is, it is sweet, sweet, but it is it's tasty. It's it's kind of really nice. I I I like it. Like this kind of is a good treat. Like I don't want to have this all the time, but this is a good treat. Okay, before we even get into the tons and tons and tons of notes that I have, Adina, you said that you wanted to guess why I picked this <laughs> wine. And so, you know what? I think this is fun. Let's let's have you go ahead and guess why I picked this wine. Okay. I mean, we'll get the stupid reason out of the way. This is an Italian wine. Our movie takes place in Italy. Indeed. Done. Okay. I think you went with a sweet wine specifically. Mm-hmm. Because Lizzie is about to enter high school. And were there to be wine at a party she brought, which she would never because she's Lizzie, mm -hmm. this would be the kind of wine that she would want to drink at a party and that she, she would be enjoying around Italy. This would 100% be the wine that she would grab. Definitely. And also, this is a low alcohol content. Yes. <laughs> which is also appropriate for our high school aged Lizzie McGuire. Pre-high school age. <laughs> summer prior She's to high 14. school. <laughs> uh, is she though? Because I was 13 the summer before high school. Just saying. I'm a young okay, person. Okay, but you're very me. young. I am. So yes, I, you are pretty spot Yay. on with what I, <laughs> with the way I was going. 
I d- d- knew that I wanted an Italian wine because duh, I can't do anything other than Italian wine. I knew that I wanted to do a sweet wine and not a dry wine because no youngin is reaching for a dry wine. And I knew that I wanted to try and find a wine that was a lower alcohol percentage because similar to when we did our high school musical in Sangria episode, I really don't like I don't like the thought of like pairing a really high alcohol wine with like a very innocent movie. Like it just, (laughs) it feels off. Right. Because we haven't done that in the past. (laughs) Let me then rephrase. Cause what I was thinking in my head was live action. (laughs) Like these are live action innocent. That seems weird to like get drunk. Um, So you're not going to get drunk (laughs) off this wine. I mean, you could if you You... drank a lot of it, but Mm. we're not going to. Let's go ahead and I want to first talk a little bit about this wine and then I want to talk about Moscato and then my favorite thing that I want to talk about is Italian wine in general and you're like Rachel seriously yes seriously (laughs) but let's start by talking about this wine we're starting specific and moving our way backwards the website for this wine was fascinating the amount of information that they produce about Every single one of the wines they create is incredible. So I am not even going to paraphrase. I'm not going to summarize. I'm going to pull this direct quote from our winemaker about specifically the wine that we are drinking today, the 2020 vintage of this Moscato. Amazing. And let me tell you, when I say it's detailed, buckle up, people. The 2020 vintage began with a mild winter and little rainfall, especially snowy ones. The first part of spring was dry and sunny in March and April, suggesting an early vintage. This forecast was proven wrong during the wettest months of May and June, slowing down the advantage in vegetative development, but allowing the accumulation of water essential for the summer season. The result is a vintage with a slightly advanced and extraordinary ripeness of the Moscato grapes as they have been in perfect health, great levels of sugar balanced by optimal acidity, and above all, the richness of terpenic aromas, white flowers, white peach, musk, and sage that haven't been so intense for years. The taste is creamy, long, and with a pleasant finish that leaves the mouth feeling fresh and clean. It's like a novel. Yes, for every year they like wrote down notes about how the weather was affecting everything. I've never seen anything so detailed on any of the wines I've ever picked. Yeah, that's a lot. It it was. So I just wanted to really just call that out specifically. I really do like the fizz that we get. I do. I enjoy the fizz a lot. It adds an extra layer of complexity Mm -hmm. that, you know, again, if you're reaching for that bottom shelf Moscato, that's not going to be there. So like, this is a pretty high quality product, especially like can be told from all of the description that you Oh, all of those things that you said, it's like you've read my notes already and you know what I'm about to talk about. So chef's kiss, love what you just said. So now we're going to just kind of back it up and not specific to this wine, but just Moscato de Asti in general. So Moscato de Asti is a DOCG sparkling wine made from the Moscato Bianco grape and produced mainly in the province of Asti, Northwest Italy. Now you just heard me say an abbreviation of DOCG. Take that, lock it away in your mind and just hold on to it for a little bit. We'll come back to that. 
great. The wine is sweet and low in alcohol and is considered a dessert wine, which absolutely, you finish dinner, you just get a little glass of this. That's all you need. You don't need any other dessert. This is it. Says you. (laughs) (laughs) Valid. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, cultivated for hundreds of years in the Piedmont DOCG in Italy, Moscato Bianco is considered one of the oldest grapes grown in that area. Although Moscato has been cultivated and made in the area, modern production of Moscato d'Asti, as it is known now, began in the 1870s. Made in the frizzante style, as Mm -hmm. we already mentioned, Moscato d'Asti was the wine that winemakers made for themselves. This low alcohol wine could be drunk at noontime meals and would not slow down the winemaker or his workers. After the workday was done, the Piedmontese tradition of long multi-course evening meals gave Moscato d'Asti the purpose of a digestif that cleansed the palate and stimulated the palate for dessert. Oh, I love that. Right? I just love that this was like the wine that winemakers could just be drinking while they're making more wine so that they wouldn't get drunk. (laughs) Like, this is just your, okay, I guess I have a long day at work. I'm going to drink some wine midday and it's not going to affect my work. Good to know. Okay, this I just absolutely loved and I slightly apologize in advance for all of you. So I looked up the popularity of Moscato in general. Oh, gosh. This is crazy. From 2011 to 2014, this, everybody, is when Adina and I were Moscato drinking age, just so you know. Uh, from those years, Moscato de Asti sales in the U.S. increased 73%. <laughs> How much of that was us? I just know. Kidding. It's like, I'm not going to say it, but that does a lot. But Adina's going to say it. It's <laughs> And sales have risen around 10 to 15% per year among consumers under the age of 45. This rise, I love this, this rise has been attributed to the affordability of the wine. Most Mm -hmm. of them range from $10 to $20, which Mm -hmm. fell in that range. And it's popularity in hip hop culture. No joke here, people. Trey Songs referenced Moscato in a verse of the 2009 song featuring Drake called I Invented Sex, which contributed to the popularity of the wine. And so what did I do? I looked up that song. Yes, I most certainly did. And I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do as dramatic of a reading as possible of the Mm, lyric that mm, consists mm -hmm. of this, of this uh, word Moscato. I'm ready for it. It's a celebration. Clap, clap, bravo. Lobster and shrimp and a glass of Moscato for the girl who's a student and for the friend who's a model. Finish the whole bottle and we gonna do it big like this. (laughs) (laughs) This is why songs like that are never meant to be read dramatically. Because it's just so absurd. By little white basic bitches like me. Yeah, of course not. (laughs) I mean, all of that sounded lovely. Thank you. That's all Moscato fun and everything. <laughs> this is just that was our getting started conversation. I want to talk now about Italian wine labels because I've referenced this book in the past that I have that's kind of like a wine Bible. And as I was trying to figure out what I wanted, there's this entire page breaking down the Italian wine label. And when looking at this wine, it is in alignment with everything that's on there. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for just a little bit of learning about Love something it. beyond just the Moscato itself. 
Amazing. It is considered, the what I'm going to talk about is a wine classification. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where my Italian's going to come in. And so every Italian wine, and yes, I'm going to talk about last week's wine too. Every <gasps> Italian wine should have the official regional classification system listed on the bottle. Ours does. There are four different classifications when you are looking at an Italian wine label. This system started back in 1963 and has gone through multiple iterations of this wine classification, with the most recent iteration happening back in 2011. Oh. Hmm. So let's start with our top tier, which is DOCG, which is Mm. what this wine falls into. Denominazione di origine controllata e garantita. Or controlled and guaranteed designation of origin is what that stands for. I thought for. you were going to make me guess because I like, I had most of that. Okay. Well, you can guess on a couple of the other ones. So this I just found fascinating. So if you see on a wine label, DOCG or that Italian phrase that I'm not going to say again, no. but it starts with DOCG, you will know that it falls into this criteria. All of these wines are from each producer are analyzed and tested by a government licensed judgment panel before being bottled. Once approved, the wines are, quote, guaranteed with a numbered governmental seal across the cap or cork to prevent later manipulation. Where the DOCG classification represents a refinement of an existing DOC wine, which we'll talk about DOC in just a second, the rules for DOCG wine usually require more stringent quality controls. These controls are usually some combination of a lower proportion of blending grapes, lower yields, higher minimum alcohol, longer aging requirements, and so on. And today, there are 77 regions that fall into this tier of Italian wine of this classification of Hmm. DOCG specifically. There are 329 that fall into DOC. So not Mm. this top tier, the second tier, you have 309 that fall into that. So 77 really is kind of a cream of the crop situation here. So as Adina was attempting to open this wine before we started, she was struggling a little bit because there was a piece of paper covering the cap on this. And she's like, meh. Sorry, that is not what she did. (laughs) Meh. I mean, it's definitely a noise that I've made many a time. So we, I did take a picture of mine before I opened and broke the seal of it, but it does have an actual number going across mm-hmm. it so that you know that this meets those requirements to be considered a DOCG wine. Amazing. You will see on the label, if you look at the back of the bottle for this, underneath Moscato d'Asti, it has that phrase of DOCG, and that will be on every single wine that meets that criteria, it will have that listed. That's cool. It is. So <laughs> I, again, if you're going and you're trying to buy Italian wine and you're like, I don't know what any of these words mean, this is just like a little lesson of some things to look for on the bottle. So if you were wondering about DOC, it basically is very similar, just with not as difficult or as not as stringent requirements. And so that just stands for Denominazione di Origine Controllata. That's it. So no guarantee. Yeah, exactly. They're not doing those those last checks to guarantee everything. However, last week's wine was not either DOCG or (laughs) DOC. Now Uh, that you mention it, I am aware. (laughs) It was an IGT wine, which is Indicazione di Geografica Tipica. 
Do you want to try, try your hand at that? Indicated of a typical geographical something. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Uh, indication of geographical typicality. Yay! Like, oh my goodness. Basically the same. You'll get Guys, one more chance. I speak chan- Italian. <laughs> You'll get one more chance. So this was created, that term was created in 1992 to recognize the unusually high quality of the class of wines known as Super Tuscans. Which I talked about. Mm-hmm. And to be broadly equivalent to the French Vin de Pays designation. So it's equivalent to that. We haven't talked about that, so don't worry about that. But when we have a French wine, maybe we'll talk about it. Hey. IGT wines are labeled with the locality of their creation, but do not meet the requirements of the stricter DOC or DOCG requirements or designations. Now we have one final level. This is our lowest level that you'll see on a bottle. And that is VDT or Vino de Tavola. What do you think that is? Wine of the people. <laughs> Close. Oh, you got the word wine. So you know what? She got it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, But actually what it is is pretty close to. This is going to show up on your typical basic table wine with Ah, no regional. Oh, Tavola. Hello. Oh, my God. Um, Okay. Like, you're close. You got it. You got it. So when you're at a grocery store or BevMo or wherever the hell you go and get wine, look for these terms and you will kind of know if, one, if it has the actual seal on it, if you just see DOCG. In Italian, or it has the seal, you know that you're looking at some of the highest quality wines that meet certain expectations, DOC, IGT, and finally at the very bottom would be that VDT wine. So Hmm. just a little bit of a lesson. If I think all the way back to our very first episode of our podcast, you taught us about how to drink wine. So we're going to just continue that with how do you pick the right wine for what you're looking for? What are you actually looking at on an Italian wine? Oh, I love that. It was just kind of fun. Thank you for educating our listeners, but also me. That was really fascinating. I enjoyed that very much. You're welcome. Okay. It is now time to talk about this delightful movie. Now, guys, as with many a decom, because this is basically still a decom. It is. It, I mean, it's, it is Disney Channel based and it is an original movie. Correct. In that designation, I would consider it decom. Yes, it did not air on the Disney Channel, but it came from a Disney Channel movie. But the point I was getting at was that there's not a ton of facts. No. I'm going to start us out by saying that this was the first movie based on a Disney Channel original series to make it to the big screen. But not the last. No, no. (laughs) We'll get to that later. But what I find interesting is, again, this movie aired in 2003. But the show Lizzie McGuire ends in 2004. Yes. And she is still in middle school. I know. It was weird. Why? So this is supposed to serve as the canonical ending to the Lizzie McGuire franchise. So you... If you are going back and watching it on Disney Plus, watch the whole series first and then watch the movie. Why didn't they just, you know? I don't know okay. because episodes continued to air almost a year after this movie came out. And yes. I'm just like, that's poor planning. Just release the movie afterwards. Later. 2004. It's fine. 
This movie was filmed on location in Rome in the fall of 2002. Cute. And you can tell this is not green screen. No, it is not. But in my research, found a delightful article with so many quotes from Yanni Gelman, who plays Paolo. Oh, yes. So I've got, I'm going to sprinkle some quotes throughout to help bolster up this <laughs> this research. <laughs> so we have a fun quote about them being in Italy. The cast ate at Italian restaurants instead of having on-set catering. Oh, so amazing. A- amazing, right? Says Yanni Gelman. Basically, we would film for however many hours and you would break for lunch and they wouldn't have catering. They would just take us to a local restaurant and put together a huge table for everyone. Mm. What mm, an amazing so thing, right? Like, why would you want to have catering? You're in Rome. Seriously. Um, and the end performance takes place both in Italy and in Vancouver. So the outside was shot by the Coliseum, and then all of the interiors for the film were shot in Vancouver in a studio. No, that's not what the inside of the Coliseum looks like. I uh, know. <laughs> it is used as a concert venue to this day, mm-hmm. but only like 35% of it is actually usable. So you're not filling up the entirety. No. And the stage that they have there is way too big of a stage for what is doable <laughs> yeah. at the Coliseum. On the note of being in Italy, Hilary Duff and Yanni Gelman were actually on the moped driving through real traffic. Seriously, I was watching that scene and I was like, this looks like you'd see like a glimpse of her face just like a little bit. I'm like, this isn't Hilary Duff, I don't think. It is. Oh my gosh. Quote, that was a really crazy experience for me and just a real highlight of the filming process to be on a moped in live traffic. The people around you don't know that you're filming. They're just honking and driving and swerving and yelling at you to get out of the way. That was really a lot of fun. Looking back on it, it was probably a little bit riskier than I thought it was at the time. Though the quote, this is Rome, nobody knows how to drive. I, it's so spot on. And to know that they're actually driving through while doing that scene after that quote is said, yikes, (laughs) that's terrifying. Other than my actor facts, I have one last fact about the success of this movie. Okay. The Lizzie McGuire movie became a surprise hit when it Mm -hmm. released in May 2003, debuting at number two at the box office behind none other than X2, X-Men United. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive. Good job, Lizzie McGuire movie. That's awesome. I just have a couple of random things before we get into your actor facts. Fabulous. Um, So I'll start with the kind of like boring-ish thing about the soundtrack. Just because, again, I talked about my love. Yo, the soundtrack is not boring. It is. No, 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 I know. (laughs) But talking about this soundtrack is not boring. That is, it should be a a national treasure and should be put into the Library Library of Congress. As one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Um, I petition that we submit it. (laughs) I will go. It's so good. It has everything you want. I'm going to ask my parents to dig up my copy and I'll mail it to the Library of Congress. 
Because you can't get all the songs on Spotify. No, you can't. Which is like, uh, hello. <laughs> so let's just, I don't have tons of notes on the soundtracks, really. There's not a lot to say about this movie. Uh, but two weeks after its release, the Lizzie McGuire movie was certified gold by the Recording Industry of America for shipments of over 500,000 copies in the United States. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's cute. Also... This is like slightly funny because this aligns to Adina's birthday. The week of Adina's birthday, the week of May 14th, the soundtrack was number 10 of the week, selling 92,900 copies, which kept going up. So it was really like selling quite a bit. I have a bunch of numbers that I don't want to read because, again, they're kind of boring. But here's what I will say about this soundtrack, because if this is not the most 2003 thing ever, I do not know what is. The final track on this soundtrack is a remix of the song Why Not, which Mm -hmm. is so good. Which plays Um, through the credits. Yes, except the the title of this remix is Why Not the McMix, which like... (laughs) I can't. I can't. <laughs> what? That is 2003 in a nutshell. Why not the McMix? I just love the soundtrack. I love everything about this movie. So I'm going to call it just a couple things that happen. Please. So in case you're curious about where the tradition of throwing a coin in the Trevi Fountain comes <gasps> from. Yes. Um, Because fun fact this was made up by Americans. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we ruin everything. <laughs> we really do. Coins are meant to be thrown. There is a specific way that you throw a coin. You don't just toss it into the fountain. They don't really talk about this, but I'm going to tell you. It is using your right hand over your left shoulder. So you cross it over. This was the theme of 1954's Three Coins in the Fountain, and the Academy Award-winning song by that name, which introduced the picture. So this was an American movie that came out in 1954 that introduces the concept of a coin in your right hand, toss it over your left, into the Trevi Fountain. So you're telling me until 1954, all of these fountains were just empty. I'm sure people (laughs) toss money into it, but the the whole Why? Why would you toss money into it? Maybe. Speaking of money, let's talk about how much is in there. Please. Because an estimated 3,000 euros are thrown into the fountain each day. (laughs) In 2016, an estimated 1.4 million euros or US 1.5 million was thrown into the fountain. Jesus Christ. In one year. That money, if you're wondering what it's used for. It's used to subsidize a supermarket for Rome's needy. Okay. I like that. I like that it is used for charitable reasons. That makes me very happy. However, there are regular attempts to steal coins from the fountain. Obviously. But that's bad luck. (laughs) That is very bad luck. You are not going to, A, take somebody's wish, and B, take money from the needy? Come on, people. Mm, That is bad karma if I have ever heard it. It's very bad karma. Now, this next thing that I want to talk about is my last thing that I want to talk about. Like I said, I don't have lots. But this, I heard it, and I don't know that anybody else heard this. It's such a throwaway moment, but it pissed me the hell off I when I heard it's this. the same thing that I'm also pissed off about. Is it about when Paolo is talking about Caravaggio getting burned at the stake? No. 
Like I said, it's the <laughs> most throwaway moment ever because you guys, I've talked about this. I love art history. I studied art history. I, I know about the bad boy Caravaggio. And let me tell you a couple of things. One, he was not burned at the stake. Two, he did not have somebody burned at the stake. Three, the Pope did not have him burned at the stake. This is all just straight up fucking bullshit getting spewed out of Paulo's mouth. And I don't understand okay. at all. I'm going to theorize here. If you grew up in a city that is as, dare I say it, iconic. I'll drink to that. Take a drink. Cheers. Mm. As Rome. Chin chin. Chin chin. As Rome, and let's just say you are someone like Adina who is really bad at history. Wouldn't you just make shit up? Yeah, but like, <laughs> then just the- tell it to unsuspecting Doris. That sounds hysterical. <laughs> God, I was so like, I had to double check. Like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna go research Caravaggio now, and that's what I did. So let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Caravaggio was kind of considered one of the first bad boys of the Baroque period. Let me tell you that. Ooh. However, like I said, he didn't do those things, but he did kill somebody allegedly perhaps over a tennis match he did kill somebody sure and at the time of his death he did have a fever but this is why it's so crazy that this is talked about because up until 2002 the cause of his death was quite the historical controversy of what actually caused him to die and so this movie comes out in 2003 and in 2002 in release documents from the vatican (laughs) This is like so crazy. In 2002, the Vatican released documents that support a theory that he was murdered by the family seeking revenge of the guy that he killed. Oh. Oh. So, no, the Pope was not involved. Nobody was burned at the stake. But, like, damn, there's some controversy going down in the Baroque period of Rome, man. That's fascinating. Maybe our filmmakers were like, oh, this came out, so maybe it was a hot-button topic. And they wanted to shove in a joke. I guess maybe that's what it was. But it was just like, it stood out to me that I was like, I don't think this is right. I I had to check. I didn't know off the top of my head. But I'm like, I don't think that the Pope had Caravaggio burned at the stake. I mean, that doesn't sound papal. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Pope-like. And I'm like, no, 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 there's a word for it. People. People. Um, but and but, uh, yeah, so, says it in our movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's a lot oh. again. That's why I had oh. to do a little forgive me, father situation because we've got the Pope going on here. Oh but no, Lordy. I just, I just, I don't understand why this happened. Like, why is there just straight up lies in this movie? Um, so I just there are to- several. <laughs> That's there's a lot of lies in this movie, and I don't understand. And so I just wanted to use my throwaway I as my example. It. I mean, look, I I have one lie that I'm going to point out when we get to it in the movie. Cool. But until that point, let's talk about our actor facts. So I just want to give a quick shout out to the delightful and wonderful Alex Borstein as Miss Ungermeyer. I have no facts on her in this movie, but she Fine. is a gem. It, she is so I mean she's good in every single thing that she yes. does but in this she's so good but let's move on now to our girl Hillary Duff as both 
Lizzie and Isabella. But maybe not the singing bo- voice oh, of both. I'm sorry, you get into my facts here? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> so what I love is that Hilary Duff was 15 when they were filming this. So she is a teenager playing a teenager. Well, I think that was just something in general about the Lizzie McGuire show that like, that's why you liked like everybody who watched it liked it because it was not unrealistic. Yes. And I have a quote from her that says, I was too young to do a character dive on Lizzie. And I think I was just playing myself. And I really related to that girl. She was me and I was her. And that was that. So I tried to pull facts that were specific to the movie about her. But according to our producer, Stan Rogo, Hilary Duff's natural athleticism was the inspiration for all of Lizzie's physical comedy, specifically in this movie. (laughs) While the movie offered stunt performers for her, she was happy to fall and handspring around the set all on her own. So like when you see her doing that one-handed cartwheel after she finishes the fashion show with her hair all stupid, I'll get to that later, that was her. I was going to say, I really like how he said that. However, um, I wish my athleticism is how people <laughs> described my ability to fall constantly. I call it being clumsy, <laughs> but I, I love that it's considered athleticism for, for Hillary Duff. Love that. So great. I have a quote that I, I heard from our director, Jim Fall. Just a fun little quote about her. She was such a pro. She knew all her lines. She knew her character and there was never any problem with her. Mm. And then I found an interview that she did with today and she said she had never been on a vespa before being in this movie lovely tie back to our our last movie yes it was and she doesn't really remember the the days of filming like certain days like they all just blur together for her which makes sense again she's like this was her first time in rome this is what nobody's first time in rome ever is i have a little fact about Hillary here, or rather, Haley, Hillary's sister. Mm-hmm. Isabella's singing voice is sung by Haley Duff, dubbing over Hillary's voice. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, why? This casting choice likely made sense as her voice sounded similar enough to pass as her sister's, but also different enough that she could be this Italian doppelganger for the character. Interesting. But part two to that, if you listen towards the very end of the performance, Thank you. what dreams are made of, there is a portion that sounds like neither Hillary nor Haley. Yep. <laughs> this woman's name is Angie Jury, who is the woman who sang the theme song to Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> But but also but what? also just give her a song on the soundtrack. Don't pretend she's Lizzie for like three seconds. It, and the thing is, it sounds very distinctly different. And it's like I, I know exactly where where it is. And yes. if you've watched this movie enough times or listened to the song enough times, you know it's yeah, weird. it's super weird. But okay, okay, that is a choice. That's a choice. I have a few more quotes and fun facts from Mr. Yanni Gelman, oh, as I mentioned, who plays Paolo. He earned the role of Paolo from just one self-tape audition. Long quote here. Oh, boy. (laughs) I was working on another show, I think, called Mentors or something like that. 
that filmed up here in Canada. Because again, parts of this movie were filmed in Vancouver. I sent out a tape and it seemed like a fun role and a fun script. And I kind of had fun in the audition and sent it off. A lot of times when you send out these self-tape auditions, you don't expect to hear anything back. And I got a call saying that they were interested in me for the role. And would I like to fly out to Vancouver and meet with the producer or director? So I got on a plane, went out to Vancouver, had the script, thinking this was going to be more of a callback type situation. But actually, we just went out to dinner and just chatted with me for a little while and said, so how would you like to come on and film this crazy little movie in Italy with me? And I was like, uh, I would absolutely love to. And off we went. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I did have a question for you though. Okay. What are your thoughts about him not being Italian? <laughs> Leads into my next quote. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, he was actually able to fool a couple of people along the way into thinking that that was his actual accent. <laughs> for the audition and movie, he made sure to prepare as best he could for the role and the accent that it required. But overall, he did not find it too difficult. Quote, I watched a lot of Italian movies. I worked with a couple different dialect coaches. As I grew up, most of my favorite actors were sort of Italian-American actors. So I kind of had a bit of ability for that sort of thing. And it came pretty naturally and easy to me when this role came around. Interesting. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's 2003. What do you expect? But also, like, that's not the great answer. That's a terrible thing. But, like, I think he does a good job. I just, when I saw he wasn't Italian, I'm like, what the hell? I'm sure there's a bunch of guys in Italy that are hot and can sing. Like, <laughs> probably. I, re I really think that they have a pretty big market of hot dudes over there. So it's just like, why not take a crazy chance and use somebody who's actually Italian? <laughs> I'm going to say because this is based on a Disney Channel movie, it's bothering me a lot less. Okay. So we have Clayton Snyder as Ethan Kraft. <laughs> yes. Who Clayton Snyder revealed that he actually took the longest in hair and makeup out of anyone else in the cast each day, all to achieve Ethan's signature flowing locks. I didn't know that I needed to know that, but I did because you see these heartthrob guys from the early 2000s with their perfect hair and you always just think, man, how? But apparently that's how the most amount of time possible is how. Yep. Quote, I had a curly fro clown mop of hair offset and I took longer than the girls did in hair and makeup to get that thing as luscious and straight as it was. They just destroyed it with product and hairspray and straightening iron and more product. Um, are there any pictures of him with his curly hair? I would love to see that. My last fact of an actor is the, a lack of actor fact. Uh, keeping in the theme Lack of actor facts. <laughs> Lelaine, beloved character, Miranda uh -huh. Sanchez, uh -huh. is not in this movie. Uh-uh. There is a quick throwaway line that she's in Mexico, Mexico City. City. So she was offered to reprise her role as Miranda for the movie, but turned it down to pursue her music career and also film delightful movie, You Wish. I'm sorry. Was a choice. Wrong <laughs> choice. Wrong. It's the wrong choice, choice but it Lelaine. is a choice. It's a choice and she has to stick by it. 
That is the wrong choice. Um, speaking of choices and great choices you can make in your life, one of those is to become a patron of oh our my podcast. God, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where we will most certainly be sharing the notes of this episode because my goodness. Are my notes absurd? And I know yours are too. These might be my favorite notes I've ever taken. So let's give a shout out to our patrons. First off, we have Chapter 3 Adventures. As well as Clocky McDowell. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. <laughs> and we will be right back. See. <laughs> <laughs> our glasses are as full as they're going to be with this very sweet light wine. I love this wine. I really it's actually, love it's this really wine. It's actually really good. I'm, I'm shocked. You guys, for Adina to say that it's really good, Adina, you've already learned this, doesn't like sweet wines, does not like Moscato, has been dreading the day we've picked Moscato, was not pleased with me, TBH, <laughs> um, but just said she likes it, alert the media, this is a good wine. <laughs> so let's get into our movie. And what are these opening credits? Dude, literally, my first line, first two lines, quote, literally, what the fuck? Second, holy shit. <laughs> My plan was first, did I click the wrong movie? Are we watching Agent Cody Banks with Hillary Duff here? Right? False. What? We are watching Matt get into his f schemes and... I can't. Matt is the fucking worst. Messed up. Matt's plan is to take his remote control truck with a camera on it to tape... Lizzie doing something embarrassing on a tape that he has pre-written the words blackmail on. It makes no sense at all. But what makes the most sense in mm. this scene is the fact that Lizzie McGuire is getting ready for her graduation, singing the song The Tide is High into her hairbrush and trying on different outfits. That, ladies and gentlemen, that makes sense because I'm pretty sure I did that on the day of my eighth grade graduation. I'm sure. Which can we share pictures of you and I on our eighth grade graduation, how we look nothing like Hillary Duff? <laughs> yes, but let's go back to this this Please. scene of her singing. I don't know why I always pictured there being more outfit changes, but she only picks two outfits. It is the corduroy bell-bottom pants with the blue top and the little hat, the newsboy hat. Mm-hmm. And then she changes into those chunky sandals with the socks and the matchy shirt with the black skirt. Both horrible. Both peak 2003. Oof, wee. But also she does have one more because that neither of those sh things she actually wears right. for graduation. And then she falls into her shower and knocks down the shower curtain. Which, which I will say in my mm. notes, I, I say, oh God, she's dancing on this carpet and platforms. This isn't going to be good. Literally next scene, she falls in. And I'm like, thank you, TV, for understanding what would actually <laughs> happen here. So now we are at graduation and we get dad giving a Shakespeare quote. Why? Why? Then we have our quick brush off. Oh, Miranda's in Mexico City. And then we'll never mention it again for the rest of this movie. Miranda doesn't exist. Gordo is her best friend. So then Lizzie is told that she has to give the commencement speech, which hell the fuck no would any teacher let her go up. And what? She's just supposed to just speak off the cuff or is she given Margaret Chan's speech that she's supposed to say? I'm sorry. No. 
But I will say something that they did get accurate, if that's not an accurate representation of an eighth grade graduation, is a seventh grade band playing <laughs> pomp and circumstance. <laughs> so Nothing good. was more accurate than oh, that. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, and then the vice president isn't graduating. Oh, though I did have a great note here because she's secretary treasurer. And I just needed to say, ladies and gentlemen, that when I was in fourth grade, so prior to this movie coming out, I ran for treasurer at my school and Mm -hmm. I won in fourth grade because I had the world's greatest speech of all time. And I literally went through my entirety of time, four, five, six at school and people would still remember the speech that I gave. To win my treasurer position for my student government. Do you have a copy of the speech somewhere? I could tell you it right now. <laughs> I literally... <gasps> mini-sode, mini-sode, mini-sode. <laughs> you guys, I can do a mini-sode. It was the 10 reasons why you should vote for me as student council treasurer. And let me tell you, man, oh man, I won. I was I'm great. so excited to hear this. <laughs> oh my gosh. So cut back to Lizzie is trying to give this poor speech gordo tells her to go drink some water Which, not in the middle of the speech terrible 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 advice gordo. yeah i thought gordo was indicating like maybe she had some water at the podium to just drink but no she doesn't so she has to go get water which leads to her tripping falling and pulling down the entirety of the graduation set whoops oops daisies and then apparently matt shithead that he is sells this mm. Does not no, sell. does not sell it. I'm sorry. Does not sell. Leaks it to Good Morning America. So messed up. I mean, though, here's the thing. Is that really so far off as to what people do on YouTube nowadays? Like, come on. And then we find out later it was on CNN, CNN? and people in Italy saw it. Amazing. <laughs> so sad. She was one of the first people to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> so now Lizzie can't wait to put this all behind her for two weeks in Italy, and she is so excited because none of the mean girls are coming on this trip. Which is so sweet. Then we see the delightful Alex Borstein. Oh, so good. I just also just thought it was crazy that she is taking them. So she is the high school principal. Stupid. Taking the middle schoolers to Rome for two weeks to see 31 historical landmarks. One, that is too many. Two, why is she the only chaperone? (laughs) Three, why are they going for two weeks just to Rome? Like, I'm sorry. Again, it's not that I have any issues with Rome. I just think that if you're going to, like, do two weeks in Italy, Mm -hmm. like, see more than just Rome in those two weeks. Go to Cinque Terre. Come on. (laughs) Go somewhere else. So Lizzie is saying goodbye to her parents. But then we have cute little montage on the plane, Gordo and Lizzie. They're so cute and adorable and they snuggle and it's so, it's precious. I loved going on trips with, I didn't do them in middle school that I was on a plane, but high school with band, we did a plethora of trips that we traveled the country. And it was always so much fun to sit with your best friend on a plane going to Hawaii or New York or wherever you're going and just for hours. Apparently I should have been in band. We we traveled (laughs) a lot. Uh but like opposite sides. We like we just got to sit and like hang out and play and like it was it was so much fun to go on these different trips and it just like brought back a lot of memories watching this itty bitty like one minute montage. Cute. But they land in Rome. So we have a little Roman montage to 
An Evening in Roma. (laughs) Oh, Dean Martin. You can sing anything, man. And we meet our lovely assistant manager of the hotel, Giorgio. Which Giorgio at first makes no sense. No. That Giorgio was serving in the military and you find out all of this information and you literally are like, why will this matter at all that he was doing any of this? And I get that it does at the very, very end, but like... It's a slow build with very little payoff. No payoff. (laughs) So slow. Awful. Then they're all getting assigned their rooms. And then Lizzie has to room with Kate. And then Gordo takes Lizzie up to the rooftop. And they're like, we're going to have adventures on this trip. But now we're at the Trevi Fountain. We're just moving real quick here. Historical inaccuracy. When Miss Ungermeyer is telling the kids about the Trevi Fountain, she tells them it took 100 years to build. False. Nope. Incorrect. It took 23 years. Yes. Why would you? What a stupid thing to lie about. Exactly. Did no one do this research? Nobody did any research about anything. This is my prediction. Nobody researched anything about Rome. They just wanted to use Rome as the backdrop, which is why we have so many random things that are said that are just <laughs> straight up lies. Here we see how in love with Lizzie Gordo is. And, you know, Lizzie tries to hand him a coin, say, oh, make a wish. And he says, I'm in Rome with my best friend. You make one. Like, it's really nice. And so Lizzie, Lizzie takes that coin and she does toss it. She closes her eyes. She makes a wish. We don't know what for to begin with. And she opens her eyes. (sighs) Oh, hey, Paolo. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So he's like immediately taken with her. Then he follows her and her group of schoolmates to a gelato shop. He's 17. He's following around a 14-year-old girl and a bunch of other 14-year-olds. Possibly 13. And when he's like trying to show Lizzie that she looks like Isabella, all these things happen. They're immediately swarmed by fans. My favorite part is that Lizzie is handed a giant wheel of Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. Yep. These wheels of cheese weigh between 70 to 85 pounds and can cost upwards of $2,000. I have had some of this cheese when I worked in PR. We did this fun event at BuzzFeed, actually, where we brought this giant wheel of cheese and got to show people like cutting into it. This is heavy and it is really hard to cut into. In this interview that I heard with Jim Fall... He said that this is very clearly a fake wheel of cheese. It (gasps) is not a real real wheel of cheese. And he tried to tell Hillary Duff to pretend that it was heavier, but I don't think that he quite got that point across because Lizzie should not be able to lift this with ease. Uh, No. And like she kind of pretends like she's struggling, but it looks like she's struggling because it's bulky, not because it's heavy. And then Lizzie looks up and sees a photo of Isabel. She's like, oh my God, she could be my twin. (laughs) So she's feeling really awkward because she's 14 and she's a good person who follows rules. And she's like, I I got to go. And he's like, well, meet me tomorrow, 9 a.m. at the Trevi Fountain. No. I, I, I want to I take you around. I want to talk to you. I want to. No. Lizzie, stranger, danger. Oh, yeah. Stranger, danger, number one. Number two, Gordo says, I will cover for you. Gordo, fuck no, you should not cover. No. Three. Why would an international pop star say that he would meet some random girl at, at this giant tourist, tourist trap? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I here's the thing. I get that Paolo's kind of a big deal, but I feel like Paolo is only a big deal in Italy. Yeah. And it's and so Italians aren't going to the Trevi Fountain. That's where tourists are going. Tourists are going there. So okay, in a way, sure. he all can right, maybe right. blend in a little bit more because Italians recognize him. Tourists don't. So Gordo decides that Lizzie is going to fake being sick to do this. The next morning, Lizzie's pretending she is sick and Miss Ungermeyer has called the doctor. And then he is the one that says, oh, yes, I saw this on CNN. Lizzie must be dying of embarrassment. But he suggests that she eat two apricots and Miss Ungermeyer goes for her digestion. He goes, no, they're in season. But yes, apricots are in season during the summer in Italy. Wonderful. But anyway, so Lizzie is 14, navigating a strange foreign city on her own, meeting a strange foreign boy. This is a terrible plan. I got like uncomfortable watching this first little like her going out on her own. Like literally, again... Thinking about myself, in June after graduating middle school, I was 13 years old. What? No. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. And even more terrible, he has this strange man who is following them around. Uh, We don't know his his agenda. No. So uh, Paolo wants Lizzie to go on a Vespa with him so that they can see Rome. And she, this is where we get the great line, do you know how to drive? And he says, we're in Rome. Nobody knows how to drive. And I was great like, Paolo, you're right. Thank you. I'll give you that credit. Credit line. credit is too. And then we get the great song, Volare. Mm-hmm. Done by Vitamin C. But uh. also, like, she's 13, 14 on a Vespa with mm-hmm. a guy she just met. Oh, my God. I can't. Horrible. I can't. And, um... He admits to Lizzie that Sergei is his bodyguard. Great. But we get to see that they get stopped and they can't get around this car. And Lizzie turns around and sees her bus with all of her people are also stuck behind them. And I think to myself, Lizzie, don't turn around. Nobody right. knows what you're wearing today. Right. right. Don't turn we'll just around. be like, oh, Italian people on a Vespa. Great. Great. We are now at a cafe and Paolo is telling this whole sob story about how he loves Isabella like a sister and he would never want her reputation to get ruined. But Lizzie, she lip syncs. Oh, no. And now we have to we're under contract to perform at the International Video Music Awards. (laughs) And I can't get a hold of her. Hey, will you pretend to be her? I'm sorry, maybe it's the fact that I'm 30 years old, or maybe it's the fact that this is all straight up bullshit. But as I was watching this, I was like, what are you saying, dude? Like, Paolo, I don't understand what you're saying right now. This is literally It makes no sense. Oh, my actual line for this is that Paolo is just oozing bullshit at this point Ooh, that is a good line (laughs) so then we're cut back to the hotel lizzie tells gordo this stupid plan and gordo's like no this is bad thank you gordo yeah and she's like oh you're just like you're just being overly cautious you're such a good friend let us dig the knife in deeper twist it into his heart twist it oh 
God. So um, terrible. So then Lizzie leaves the room and Ethan emerges from the bathroom and is going off about like, hey, like, you gotta you gotta shoot your shot, bro. We're in Rome. Like, when in Rome? Why when in that? Rome? Why is this saying not in there? What? <laughs> Why is this saying not in there? And it's just like, and, and Gordo's like, I don't understand a word you're saying. Gordo, my Gordo, man. you're being a little shit. Ethan is literally just trying to be a friend to you. Yeah. Then cut back to America. Matt and Melina just happened to end up on Yahoo Italy Music. What? And see this random photo of Lizzie with random pop star. Matt says, my parents are going to be so pissed. Why? Because Matt makes no sense. It is the next day. Lizzie is still (coughs) sick. So Miss Ungermeyer assigns her to read the rise and decline of the Roman Empire and write a report on the rise and a report on the decline. I'm sorry. Also, everybody else gets to go out and enjoy Rome and Lizzie, who's quote unquote not feeling well, has to stay in and read and write and do work. It's such bullshit. (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. So, but instead. What's not awful is we next get, why not? Which leads us into fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this okay, hold on. I just need to I just need to read this out loud. <clears throat> uh she is taking shopping or she's taking shopping. Wait a second. I owned the soundtrack to this. That's why I like it so much. <laughs> exact notes here. Fabulous. <laughs> it was wonderful. So she is taking shopping and she if she's going to be Isabella, she has to look like Isabella. Okay. This I don't have a problem with. Nope, don't have a problem with it. We meet the most extra fashion designer ever. I can't. And all of these outfits are terrible. I was saving this. I was saving this for like the end, but I might as well say it right now. Are we going to go as Isabella and Lizzie for Oogie Boogie this year? And we think we have to. I mean, I literally think we have to. You have lighter hair. You are Lizzie. I am Isabella with the darker hair. We'll make you this really great little bell-bottom pants situation. Oof. Oof. Really Yikes. take it, really take it back to two thousand three, baby. I think we really have to do it. I think it. All of these outfits that we see are purposefully terrible, right? Like she goes through a lot of dresses. She tells Paolo that it's not really working out, and Paolo's like, "Oh, well, that's because Isabella would never wear any of these things." What? What? So maybe you should have told her that before she put on all these ridiculous outfits. It's dumb. <laughs> she has to stand up for herself, go to the designer, and say, "I'm not wearing any of your clothes." And then she's given a bunch of bolts of fabric, and she can just choose what she wants. <laughs> no, no. no. She's given three, three bolts of, of fabric, fabric and, and they're all like, in the same color family. I like these two. Which do you like? Both. Both. Okay. What? So we exit the studio and Lizzie does her one-handed cartwheel. She is so excited and her hair looks fucking awful. <laughs> there what is this hair with the braids that are like half done and it's stringy and like... Who did that for her? Did she just like do it after all of this ridiculous stuff to make her feel more herself? It doesn't make any sense. I hate it. 
I can see that. However, um, I think it's very pop star-esque. You know, think back. Hair was kind of crazy back then. And I think if we look at some pop stars from that time, we would see some. I, I can picture it was a little Christina Britney. Aguilera okay. yeah. having <laughs> that hair. So I think that's just kind of what supermodels were. Right. Supermodels. God damn. That is just what like pop stars were doing at that right. time. Fine. So then they once again run into her classmates. And they run into her classmates a lot mm. for being in such a big city. But here's the thing. They're only going to historical landmarks. And for some reason, Paolo and Lizzie are only going to historical landmarks. He lives there and he's not taking her anywhere special just to historical places. So then we have one of my favorite scenes, which is Lizzie trying to sneak back into the hotel. Sergei hands Paolo an umbrella and Paolo opens it up and goes inside and is distracting Giorgio. It made me laugh out loud. I'm like, this is just so dumb. Lizzie makes it back upstairs and Kate finds her out because she's like, oh, your eyebrows match. I could smell acetone from the lobby. (laughs) So she was taking off her nail polish. Right, right, right. What? (laughs) But also, I just think it's so stupid that Lizzie fakes her sickness by Mm -hmm. taking a blow dryer (laughs) on her nightstand putting it on her head which in theory okay that's actually kind of smart except she just leaves her blow dryer right next to her bed she didn't have time to chuck it away just like slide it down put it underneath do anything that's not right next to you because that's not suspicious at all no and then gordo comes in and shows the tabloid she's like oh my god i'm on the cover of a tabloid poor gordo's like Yo, this Paolo dude is sketchy as fuck. Like, I had these girls translate this, and it, you're supposed to sing. She's like, no, we're not. He didn't tell me that. Lizzie, who are you going to trust? And she's literally asked that. Who are you going to trust? Then Paolo shows up in not a car. <laughs> Paolo, what? Back in America, Dad is painting a fishing gnome. I loved this. I want, I want that. Then I read in all caps, Matt is a little shit. Is he because he gets a trip to Italy out of it? Yeah. So like, no, no, no. Rant, rant. Really, mom is an idiot and they're going to fly to Italy when she will be home in like a week. If that, like she's going to be home soon. So now we're back in Rome and she's in this like red number with leggings and chunky heels. And I'm like, did she bring this outfit with her? On a middle school class trip? Uh, We're going to get another outfit in a little bit. We're not at it yet. That I also is just like, what is... The the rehearsal outfit? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That looks like it belongs on a 50-year-old woman? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That one. So yeah, I don't understand what Lizzie is bringing, what she's wearing. And so she is on this date, which again... She's 13, 14, alone, 17. with a 17-year-old Italian guy she just met. They're at the Tivoli Gardens, mm-hmm. and then no one is there, which that seems suspicious. Very suspicious. And then they're just running to nowhere for he's no like, reason. He's like, look at this, and then they start <laughs> running. <laughs> they're running for no reason. They're at the gardens. It's beautiful. It's sunset. They're having a wonderful time, and Paolo has confirmed 
yes, I hadn't told you yet, but yes, you're going to need to perform with me, not just come up and stand with me, which again, the worst Lizzie, my sweet baby angel, red flags, alarm bells, get the hell out. Mm -hmm. Fireworks are going off as the song, open your eyes to love is playing. And Lizzie says the line, this is so beautiful. And Paolo says, yes, you are. Look, did 11, 12-year-old Dina find this line completely endearing? And did she want a boy to say this to her right before they were about to kiss or hold hands? You, you, you're darn right. But almost 30-year-old Adina is like, this is the cringiest fucking shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> I was watching something else earlier today which has this quote in it and it's one of the most profound quotes and I think it applies to everything we've been talking about but it really hits home here when you look at the world through rose colored glasses all of the red flags just look like flags and that's what's happening right here you're getting so many damn red flags here Lizzie and you're not seeing any of them but we are and we're gonna point them all out yes we are (laughs) We cut to the next morning and Miss Ungermeyer is trying to bring Lizzie her daily apricots, but Lizzie has already left and Gordo is trying to stop her. And in this whole process, he covers for Lizzie and says, oh, I'm the one that's been sneaking away. Which like, I'm sorry. He's been with her. The whole time. He's also been a little brown noser who's been causing mm. calling attention to himself the whole time. What do you mean he's been sneaking out? You see him every day. But she falls for it and she says, okay, pack your bags. You're going home, man. What? Really? You're going to send, you're going to send this 14 year old home. You're going to send them to an international airport alone and send them home. (laughs) This is why, this is why there should be more than one chaperone. (laughs) Like you're what, going to put him in a taxi and say, be like, okay, bye. Get home safe. It's like, um, no. So then it is time for the rehearsal and the famed rehearsal outfit. Let me describe it to you all. Please, please. The top isn't terrible. It's like a purple shirt. I think it's cowl and neck t-shirt. Whatever. Mm -hmm, Who cares? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not my problem. My problem is what happens on the lower half. And what we have is something that has gone out of fashion. Thank everybody. The Pope. Thank him the most. (laughs) We have a handkerchief style skirt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And And not only is it just like a handkerchief style skirt, it's kind of fugly let's go there and also she has her dancing shoes on Mm -hmm. that just why are they're not not doing they're not doing ballroom dancing they're not doing ballroom at all these are not the shoes she should be wearing and so she looks every time i saw her i'm like this girl this actress is 15 years old and for some reason she looks like she's 60 no, I don't like it. Hated it. But I love a good dance montage. <laughs> and a, a good singing montage. Oh, yes. The soft version of This Is What Dreams Are Made Of is is delightful. It really is. We cut back to the hotel. Lizzie is so excited to tell Gordo all about her day. But Kate is like, no, Miss Ungermeyer sent him home. And then she runs up to the front desk and says, you have to call the airline. What airline, Lizzie? What flight, Lizzie? 
what? Again, and what's the airline going to do? Reveal whether or not this underage child is on a plane? I don't think so. Of course not. (laughs) So then we cut to said underage child at the airport getting ready to board his flight alone. And then he sees a crowd of people. And sneaks off. A ruckus has been made. (laughs) And it is Isabella. With the worst Italian accent of all time. I feel honestly... Like, they should have found an Italian girl who looks semi-close to Hilary Duff. Mm. I'm sure you could find someone who looks kind of close that you could then tweak with makeup and, like, Oh, yeah. Change that's the what they look. would do now. But I'm sorry. 2003, you really think this is the better option? Who is this girl? This is not me. I was on the island. What the fuck are you doing? Slightly offensive. <laughs> Slightly. I'm going to give her a little credit because she's 15. Well, look, our guy Yanni Gelman got a dialect coach. Why can't Hillary Duff get a dialect coach? I actually meant to look up if she had one in the credits. and then There I is didn't... no way she had a dialect coach. I'm looking it I'm up. I'm sorry. I'm looking it up. All right, you look it, it up. up while I'm going to continue on through this movie. The Maguires have now arrived in Italy and are freaking out because... They can't find their daughter and they are like, oh, Lizzie's pretending to be an Italian pop star because Ethan now reveals this to the Maguires and Miss Ungermeyer. And we cut to red carpet at the Coliseum. What a time to have a Jump 5 song playing. You're right. Uh, that is a time. Five. Jump 5. Oh, guys, this soundtrack slaps. It does. So it does. I swear I am going to mail my CD to the Library of Congress and say, good, please, you for should. your consideration. Lizzie is like freaking out. I don't know if I can do this, but Paula goes, Lizzie, you shine like the light from the sun. Dude, dude, dude. Vomit. But then Isabella and Gordo show up. What is Isabella's outfit? She kind of looks like Oogie Boogie with the with the stitching. I know. I was like, oh, this definitely works for Oogie Boogie Bash. I'll have to wear that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, and we have a wait. This is studio studio oh. teacher. Wait, wait, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> No, you've got to be joking. You've got to be joking. You have a studio teacher for Miss Duff, studio teacher, dialect coach, and dialogue coach. So dialect coach, Robert Easton, my man. Robert Easton, we need to have some words. We need to have a lot of words, and those words are mainly why. Also, not trying to burn you on a podcast, but like, come on. Come on this podcast and tell us your side. I hope your later work is better. Sorry, let's continue on. I'm really glad you found that, though. The truth has come out. Paolo is the one who can't sing. Isabella's the one that wanted her own career. Gasp. Gordo had been right the whole time. and But Lizzie's just not believing it. Double gasp. Until Isabella says, who are you going to believe? (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't get over this really, really terrible accent. It's It's so bad. It's horrid. The... The class trip, along with Miss Ungermeyer and the Maguires, get into the Coliseum because apparently sure. there's really shitty security that can be stopped by a five foot two woman. Sure. Right? 
great. The performance is about to start, and Isabella has the the mixing guy turn down Isabella's, aka Lizzie's mic, and now it is about to be revealed to the world that Paolo cannot sing. And oh my, and Isabella makes her grand entrance and says the line, Sing to me, Paolo. She also cuts then his vocal track and he, instead of just like not singing and being like, oh, my mic's not working, he decides to actually sing. Yeah, no, terrible idea, bro. And it's the most horrific thing ever. And then he goes off and runs away and he's like, asking Sergey to help him and he's like you were mean to Lizzie McGuire she is nice girl you are on your own what, you know what? I mean thank yes, you but Sergei. what, what? Coming this, in is, hot. this is a big character arc for this character giant character arc here we go hey now hey now this is what dreams are made of this scene right here but Isabella Instead of taking her moment to show the world that she can have a solo career, she gives it to this random girl who looks like her. Why don't they stay up and continue doing the whole thing together? Right! Like, I don't even, like, I don't have a problem with Lizzie staying up there and getting her moment because she deserved this and, yeah, this is what dreams are made of. But, like, why can't you share it? We can presume that they... That Lizzie and Paolo had practiced this dance together. Uh-huh. And then the backup dancers just come and know the dance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, these backup dancers slay. They went way too hard, but I love it. I I have no complaints about them. I have no complaints about it, but just, it, it, it's a lot, but they all know how to dance. And then... This scene goes on for so long. Like, I have no problem with it, but it goes on. It's the on whole song. For so freaking long. Like and everybody's dancing. And I just want to call out literally yesterday. Yesterday, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the time of recording this, our lovely Jake Thomas, who plays Matt McGuire, posted a TikTok of him dancing doing the exact same dance that he does in this scene. And it shows that this movie will never die. And I am so thankful for him for doing that literally the day before we were so great. The song is over. Lizzie is not surprised that her parents are there. No. Also, she has the most confidence of anybody who I have ever seen in their entire world at 14 years old. So then we cut back to the hotel and I have a question. Was this reception planned before i actually was it thrown together last minute (laughs) no i think this was because i do think they're on their last night they're at this their final thing and so they like planned a nice dinner for Mm. them to have for their last night in Rome. that was my thought okay fair then lizzie finds out that she's going to be grounded forever great gordo gets in good with ungermeyer whom i hope is having a very stiff drink she (laughs) deserves it Matt tries to sell Giorgio the tape of Lizzie and Giorgio reveals himself. Oh, remember when Ungermeyer said that I was in the Italian Navy? Ha ha. In Italy, we don't backstab our sisters. Let me ruin this tape. What? The stupidest slow burn of all time. I think that gets the award. We cut up to the rooftop 
and Gordo and Lizzie have the cutest little 14-year-old kiss. It's and then sweet. he says thanks. She says you're welcome. And I die. And then they go back downstairs and they miss the fireworks. And I love that. Yeah. It's 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 perfect because that's how it should be for them. It was such an accurate depiction of romance in middle school. Yes. Not that I had much experience with romance in middle school. Rachel's giving me a face. So Added. I'm just going to go. But I can imagine that this is how if I was – in this situation, this is how it would go. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. And then we end our movie with cartoon Lizzie as Tinkerbell. <laughs> like, I, like, of all the ways to end with her, I feel like you could have done a different ending and it would have been really cute. Like, it's fine, but like, there could have been something it. better. Okay. I liked it. And then that's, that's, that's the movie. end of our movie. <laughs> And if you watch the credits, you'll find out that there was indeed a dialect coach. How? I'm sorry, sir. I really, I have a lot of questions for you. And if you would like to come and defend yourself on our podcast, <laughs> we would be more than happy to have you. That we would. But I just want to say this was a wonderful pick. So I good. love this movie. It holds up. It's great. I have so many questions about a 14-year-old, possibly 13-year-old girl going off on alone in Rome. But, you know, whatever. Lots it's of questions. Cute. But it still holds up. It's still yeah. a delightful movie. Yeah. I think, like, it, it holds its place in time so well. Yes. It's a very good time capsule of 2003. Very good. Yes. All these actors were actually playing characters their own age, which I love. What a novel concept. But I love this movie. And this was a surprisingly delightful wine to go along with it. I love this wine. I will 100% buy this again. It's not an everyday drinking wine, Mm -hmm. but it is a very nice treat. And it's not very alcoholic. Like, it's very much just like a fun little treat to have. But it's great. I agree. We got ourselves all worked up on our own without the help of alcohol. (laughs) Can you imagine if we had a stronger wine? (laughs) No. Oh, gosh. This was the perfect wine for this movie. That was the goal. So I think it is time, though, that we perhaps bid adieu. No, we're not saying goodbye to Italy yet because we can't say goodbye to Italy. I just... I loved it so much that we were there. So I wanted us to kind of stay for just a little bit longer, but we're going to go in a completely different direction. I'm ready for it. Let's go. I want us to go back to animation. Uh. Back a long time in animation. It's been a while since we went back this far. And I want to do Lady and the Tramp. No. Bring him in the spaghetti and the meatballs. Exactly. (laughs) Ethan got his spaghetti, so I think it's time for us to get ours. I'm excited. That doesn't actually take place in Italy. No, but but it has Italian themes here. There is an Italian theme. There is an Italian song. Yeah. (laughs) They're eating Americanized Italian food. It is literally the same thing as the movie we just watched. (laughs) Literally the exact same. I am not ready to bid adieu to any of this. I love it. I'm excited for it. Let's do it. Wow. This was episode 43. Holy Holy shit. Or shit. Yeah, that too. Oh my God. But wow. What a way to end this episode. Rachel, 
I think we should raise our glasses with a nice hearty chin 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 chin. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Disney Rewind. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other platforms where podcasts are found. Connect with us on social media by visiting at Disney Rewind on Instagram and on Facebook.com slash Disney Rewind for some fun content and moments mentioned on this episode. Join us over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Disney Rewind, and receive bonus episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and more behind-the-scenes content. For more information about us and our podcast, check out DisneyRewind.com. That is D-I-S-N-E-Y-R-E-W-I-N-E-D.com. Cheers. Cheers.